Hello, welcome to the Hindu's Parley. I am your host Sonam Segal. I have with me Mr. Prakash Singh, retired IPS officer and ex-director general of police, along with Ms. Sharuk Alam, advocate at the Supreme Court, writer and columnist. On August 11th this year, the Union Home Minister Amit Shah introduced three bills in the Lok Sabha to repeal the Indian Penal Code of 1860, the Code of Criminal Procedure of 1973, and the Indian Evidence Act of 1872. This brings me to our topic for today. Is there a need to replace these fully functional laws with new ones? If I may begin with you, sir. Can you please break it down for our listeners and explain how different are the new proposed legislations, namely Bharatiya Nyaya Sanhita Bill, Bharatiya Nagrik Suraksha Sanhita Bill, and Bharatiya Saksha Bill from the existing laws in place? See, it is true that the Indian Penal Code and the Criminal Procedure Code and the Evidence Act uh, were fully operational, and these sections uh, and these codes uh, and their relevant sections were utilized. by the in the criminal justice system and public had become used to it also but uh, uh, it would be i think an exaggeration to say that uh, they reflected the changing values and they reflected the democratic aspirations of the people you see much water has uh, flown down the rivers ever since the code was formal, uh, the code was enacted and the indian penal code say in 1860 so when I mean, much has changed the 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 entire socio economic scenario has changed the political uh, complexion has changed so i, mean, I think uh, the, the need was felt that the, the, the that these courts should reflect the changed situation the changed socio economic scenario uh, and therefore I mean, you could also say that well if uh, certain sections needed to be changed uh, only those could have been amended but if you go through what they have done it they have done a tremendous exercise i mean for example in the indian penal code if you say 175 sections have been amended eight new have been added and 22 have been repealed it's the same story in crpc and evidence act also now if you are going for such a comprehensive revision and uh, amending a large number of sections it was i think in the fitness of things that they have uh, drafted new codes the bharatiya nyaya sanhita the nagrik suraksha sanhita and the saksha adhiniyam okay uh ma'am would you like to add i would like to add i i want to say that it's it's very true that the codes probably did not fully reflect the the, the changes in society and our democratic aspirations but it's very important to realize that it wasn't just the three codes the ipc the crpc and the evidence act that formed the basis of our criminal justice system in fact it's the very rich jurisprudence and the case law and the precedents which have interpreted these laws in different ways in evolve, evolve, evolving ways over the course of time and what the new laws do what the new codes do is not de- describe the relationship with this jurisprudence with this case law there seems to be a rupture or there seems to be some ambiguity about how these new laws would relate to the to all the precedent and all the jurisprudence and all the case law that was developed on the basis of the old codes that is one point but i also want to say that the second point and and since i have the privilege of having mr singh here on the panel with me 
I do want to say that there are two running themes in these in these codes. One is ambiguity, general ambiguity, and I'll visit that a little later. But the second is, which I'm very provocatively calling violence, state violence. And by that, I mean three things. First of all, there is a debate going on across the world in terms of criminal justice jurisprudence, which talks about keeping someone in detention without charge. All across the world, when you arrest someone, you're supposed to immediately charge them with, with whatever it is that they're supposed to have done. Right? So mo in most jurisdictions, including in England, including Scotland, the, the amount of time for which you can keep someone in de detention without charging them is counted in hours. In Scotland, it's six hours. You can't keep someone in detention. You can't arrest someone without charging them if it goes beyond six hours. For terrorist offenses, it's about 14 days. In our country, it's 60 days and now 90 days. So it seems we are going in the opposite direction. Criminal justice system, the worldwide always thinking about reducing these periods of detention, we seem to be going in the opposite direction. I just want to reference two debates that we had. One was had in the aftermath of the Bombay blasts in our own parliament, where the government of the day said that we are now going to allow you 90 days in detention without charge. And we are going to give this as a gift to the investigators. So you can interrogate however much you want. At the same time, there were the July metro, uh, the, the two bombings in London. And there was a debate in the, in, the, in the British Parliament as well, along the same lines. They wanted to also extend the period of charge without detention from 14 days to 90 days. And the British Parliament called it a travesty. They said, we can never allow this. You can't keep someone in prison uh, without charge for up to, up to 90 days. And now, sir, this, this, this new CRPC seems to have formalized that, not just for terrorist offenses, but for any IPC offense. You can keep someone in detention without charge for 90 days. And to me, that is very undemocratic. That, to me, that is, that is, all, that, that is the symbol of an incarcerating state. That is the first point. The second two things that I was referring to when I said violent is, you know, the, the, the Bombay incident, the Bombay terrorist attack was, was prosecuted under the IPC, not under TADA, POTA or UAPA, not under any special offense. And it, it can be done under the IPC. But now the UAPA provisions, especially on detention without charge, especially on bail, have been transplanted into the IPC. So it seems that we are moving into a state of exception, whereas the IC IPC could have done well or the CRPC could have done well these very special terrorist legislations are now being transplanted and they will form the new normal. They will for now form our mainstream. That is the second point. And the third is that the new CRPC seems to give a lot of discretionary powers and violent powers to the police. The right to handcuff, which we've never had in India, and it never seems to have been a problem in India. Now there's a discretion to handcuff, to arrest women after sunset, in exceptional circumstances. But again, that discretion has been given. And third of all, things like to use any force, any means necessary when arresting a person is again a huge discretion. 
that could legitimize encounters, that could legitimize all kinds of torture. So just these three provocations to start with, sir. Sir, as a police officer, do you think that this is needed, the discretionary powers under the Bharatiya Nyaya Sanhita bill given to the police? I see there are three points uh, with the learned uh, lawyer have has raised. One is about the case laws. I think that's a very relevant point. Uh, whatever uh, interpretation uh, through case laws uh, these uh, s- uh, relevant sections have gone through, those uh, would remain intact. And I do not see how uh, those would be uh, sort of given a go-by with the reenactment of these codes. It does not mean that we sort of jettison those case laws. Those case laws would remain relevant and uh, uh, they would still be considered while implementing the, uh, the new IPC. Uh, that was one point. And about the period of detention and talking of state violence. Now, this is a question of detail. I think uh, Shah Rukh is, uh, uh, has slightly digressed from the main point. The, the, the main point is whether uh, there was need for a fresh IPC, there was a need for a, for a fresh CRPC, there was a need for a fresh Evidence Act or not. Now, this is a question of detail. She is going into the nitty-gritty about what is contained in the sections and whether that amounts to sort of exaggerating the, the ex, I, mean, exaggerate, I mean, giving additional powers to the state uh, of detention. And, uh, the word she uses is state violence. This is a matter of detail, which can still be gone into and on which there can be discussions. In fact, uh, there is, uh, I mean, there's a general agreement and I'm also... Uh, I also agree with the fact that uh, this uh, the three courts should not be pushed in a hurry, and uh, there are large section large sections of people who have not been consulted in the matter. Uh, let let them also uh, be given an opportunity, and these uh, the courts are now in the public domain. Let public be, uh, let public uh, the general public have the opportunity to comment on these sections, and I think uh, they need need for more churning, more cross fertilization of ideas before we sort of formalize whatever has been uh, written in these codes. So this is a matter of detail on which opinions would differ. Um, Without getting into a discussion on the subject, all I would say is that there's a need for greater churning, greater discussion with stakeholders of different shades. I mean, uh, you'd be surprised, but even the police officers in general have not been consulted. I do not know if they've consulted a couple of police officers, but uh, it should have been placed in the public domain, I would say, before uh, they formalized it and they finalized it. And about power of discretion, again, this is a question of detail. Now, look uh, about the handcuffing. I mean, you would not uh, understand, Shah Rukh, I mean, how, how much of problem this is creating for the police. I mean, it's all right for the Supreme Court to, in the Basu judgment, they have said that you know, people should not be handcuffed. But if you see the practice in other countries, and I'm talking of democratic countries, there, there, there is a stringent provision about handcuffing. And I have seen heads of states being uh, handcuffed. And here, uh, even when you know that a man is a mafia and you can't handcuff him, um, there, there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, concern among the police uh, over this power of handcuff uh, being subject to uh, orders by the court and you need their permission and all that. I mean, what's what's happening in actual practice? I mean, for for arresting a person, I mean, instead of two persons, you you have to deploy ten or fifteen persons, and then why should you force me to touch somebody's person? He may be suffering from some skin disease. So you don't know how filthy or dirty is he. I don't want to handle him, but you want that I should hold him by his hand? No, I don't want to touch him by his hand. He's a filthy, dirty person. So, they all, but this is again a subject matter of debate. No, the the other two points which you have raised. I mean, I'm not 
contesting those two points but i said these are these are mere nitty gritty matters which can be gone into further in the course of further discussions on the relevance the need and the desirability of having changes which the government have made no just just to take the debate forward i i think sir that a these are not matters of detail anymore because they form actual provisions in the bill so we are now gone past the stage of debate that is one when i was saying that this ruptures the relationship with jurisprudence and precedence that is exactly what i had in mind case law like dk basu or case law like kedarnath which have set down some some laws and this new bill causes a rupture with that particular jurisprudence with that particular precedence whether we agree with it or not that's one short point but the second point again is whether whether this was needed at all by all means it it i would say that this is this is a repeal and a revocation this is not an amendment so an amendment would have been a rupture less evolving modification or addition of working with what we have this seeks to repeal and revoke which is which is a little drastic but it doesn't change the framework of looking at things i again beg to differ and submit that it's not a matter of detail it it outlines the framework of how you look at criminal justice law and again as an example i i want to i want to submit that our very systems of investigation are very feudal are very violent are very colonial in some ways for us arrest is the commencement of the investigation almost the the tradition is that when there is an fir filed we haul in a whole lot of people and start interrogation and start our investigations and then we charge sheet some of them some of them we let go but in other jurisdictions arrest happens at the fag end of the investigation you don't arrest someone until you're ready to encounter them with with evidence and then you you charge them and then the trial begins our whole system is lopsided so if we were to change anything substantially and i i agree with you sir that change is required my submission is that we would first question these frames and we would have to critique these frames and we would have to work throughout these through these frames and then change the laws otherwise these little little changes within the same existing colonial frames are more problematic and less democratic and they 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 exclude people like like you pointed out fair enough what would you say are the similarities between the laws and the new bills then ma'am i think they're very similar i think i think because they don't question any of these existing frames they formalize them they endorse them so this kind of violence is still going on this kind of detention without charge is still going on but it it now endorses it it legitimizes and formalizes it so there's no substantial departure if at all i think it formalizes that the, the colonial violent nature of the state and even in terms of substantive sections they've jumbled them along and they've caused more ambiguity and confusion and i can touch upon the ambiguity for instance to to sedition now they've included subversive activities which is very vague and very overbroad what i've just said to you can be very subversive and to now count that as a, as as a substitute for the offense of sedition is very problematic to my mind the other thing that is very interesting is that uh, terrorist acts have also been defined in the ipc even though we have special legislation but again extremely overbroad and one includes damage to property 
So if you damage property, that could also just, just constitute a terrorist act. Another says provocation and intimidation of the government. Anything can provoke the government, and that would be considered a terrorist act. So it's full of ambiguities, and I'll touch upon that a little bit later. Sir, what would you say are the similarities between the laws that we have and the new proposed bills? Uh, there are similarities. You see, a lot of it is old wine and new bottle. But of course, there are changes. Uh, they have introduced certain new sections. For example, in the Indian Penal Code, terrorism has been defined, organized crimes has been added. And while sedition has been repealed, but uh, there is another section which uh, talks of secession and armed, re- uh, armed uh, rebellion and subversive activities, as she said. And of course, subversive activities needs to be defined. Uh, and the new provision regarding community service about uh, lynching uh, has been made an offense. Uh, crime against women, uh, crimes against women have strict, stricter punishment is uh, proposed for all that. So there is a lot of uh, lot of new element is there which has been added. As I said, there is need for, I mean, not not merely referring it to a parliamentary standing committee, but I think it should be placed in the public domain and a wider consultation is still required, uh, more discussion uh, by people, because even as police officers, we are concerned about certain features of uh, uh, the new enactment. I mean, what, 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 what is worrying me most is that very relevant sections have been, uh, the, the numbers have been changed. For example, 302 becomes 101, 420 becomes 316. Now, you see, in during the last about 164 years that the IPC we have had, uh, it is there It is there in the public domain, in the public mind, I would say. Not only police mind, but public, the whole, uh, the whole, uh, the whole of India knows that by 302 people have been cheating, hai. Uh, 379, 395, 394. I mean, these sections are so very well known. That now if you change them and place them under a different uh, numerical figure, I do not know. I see documentation is going to be a huge problem. All uh, the documentation of the NCRB, National Crime Record Bureau, all the documentation with the CCTNS has, has done. I mean, all that, it will either not, it will become either dysfunctional or there'll be so much of hodgepodge that uh, the, the those uh, uh, sort of uh, documenting all this will get confused and we will not we will not be able to do any comparisons so that uh, this happened so much in this year as as we are able to do now so documentation i wish at least 15 20 sections which are very common and which uh, are in the public consciousness ki bhai is dafa se ye ye aparadh banta hai i think those we could have retained those numbers somehow i mean if necessary some uh, numerology, numerological uh, jugglery could have been done to retain those sections. I'm worried about uh, very important crimes and their sections being given new numbers. I'm I'm really concerned about that. So, as I said, uh, there are there are areas where uh, I, I, even police officers are concerned and worried. And uh, uh, but all said and done, I would say it is a step in the right direction. But we don't have to rush through there uh, for formalizing the IPC, CRPC, and the uh, evidence Act in the in the new avatar that uh, uh, Mr. Amit Shah has placed before the Parliament. I think a, a, a much uh, broader discussion involving all the stakeholders. And in, I forget about the stakeholders. I would say the entire population of India. They should be able to comment on it and uh, let it take another one or two year, one year, two years, three years. But uh, it, there should be much much a deeper churning before uh, we give them a final shape. 
with what sir said about about the jumbling of sections and all the documents and all the precedents and all the jurisprudence going sort of haywire because of that i think that that also reiterates the point i'm trying to make even with the change in these sections and not just ipc but also the crpc we we all know section 144 we all know section 15663 the jumbling up of sections is going to cause that rupture in jurisprudence but but if i may sonam i'm i am interrupting and uh, i i i really want to ask sir why he thinks that this is a step in the wrong right direction what is it that that this repeal and revocation will achieve that an amendment of the kind that we had with the with justice js varma's report or even the reenactment of the crpc in 1973 why couldn't that have happened while wanting to to change these frames in a more democratic way why is it that we needed a repeal why is it a, a step in the right direction i say in the right direction as i said very beginning they have carried out such sweeping changes i mean i have uh, i must admit i have not been able to go through all the changes myself but whatever summary has appeared now if there are 175 amendments then instead of having 175 amendments you might as well have a new code instead of having a, in the crpc the 160 amendments so instead of uh, having 160 amendments uh, you you might as well revise the whole code itself so uh, very quickly uh, usually laws are changed when they become obsolete are there any provisions in the indian penal code the code of criminal procedure and the indian evidence act that according to you are being misused sir well certain sections are misused but misuse of an act does not uh, make that uh, the, the does not make that act re- uh, irrelevant mind you you must find ways and means to prevent the misuse certain certain provisions are necessary but arms act is generally misused that, that doesn't mean that you don't need an arms act i mean for that matter I mean, maximum misuse is a, is a human brain so it doesn't mean that you debrain the entire uh, population so you have to find ways and means to avoid misuse prevent their misuse i i think so yes i mean there's a lot of talk about removing 377 which had actually already been done by the courts but what they've also done is while removing 377 they've also removed the offense of non consensual uh what they call unnatural sex and that is a problem i think i think that is an oversight but also a lot of political debates are now reflected in the ipc like for instance mob lynching has been recognized as a separate offense uh the fact the fact that people are killed for the for, for who they are but interestingly again it's become discretionary the sentence ranges from death life sentence to up to 7 years while on the other hand the idea of love jihad concealing your identity before marriage has also been made into a separate offense and there the sentence is 10 years so mob lynching could be 7 years love jihad within courts it's called concealment of identity before marriage could be 10 years so again ambiguity but it reflects a lot of political debates that are happening and one last thing sexual offenses against women have now been made into a separate chapter earlier they were part of uh, uh, the, the chapter on harm to the uh, uh, human body so together with murder together with assault all of that was one chapter now sexual offenses are a separate chapter but only se- sexual offenses with respect to women they forgotten about sexual sexual offenses men on men or women and women on women that is that is not there and and there is a discrepancy there as well 
okay would you say think there are any welcome changes in the proposed bills yes i think sir would would should would the welcome changes in the sense you see there were certain lacunas i mean for example uh, terrorism uh, they have attempted a definition now whether that definition is uh, requires amendment or modification that's a different matter but the fact that they have attempted to define terrorism i think it's a step in the right direction now organized crimes now mind you there's a huge i think organized crimes are posing such a danger to our society which i think people generally do not comprehend i mean uh, say smuggling of weapons uh, the trafficking of women uh, these offenses have assumed i mean uh, the drug trafficking these offenses have assumed uh, huge dimensions and uh what what was happening so far every state was going to the center uh, something like makoka be uh, they be allowed to act uh, enact in their uh, states so it's good that they have now defined uh, organized crimes and now the states uh, are free to uh, treat this uh, the crime the criminal syndicates uh, under these sections so there are uh, certain uh, i would say path breaking changes in the codes uh, these will uh, need to be gone into detail then the, the then this community service for smaller offenses is also a new concept and i think it's a good concept then uh, they have that they have tried to sort of uh, expedite uh, the the criminal procedure uh, procedures so uh, there's provision for summary trial for less serious offenses then uh, once that trial concludes the judgment has to be given within 30 days and only two adjournments are allowed i think these are welcome changes uh, with the intention of expediting the the criminal the sort of giving more acceleration to the criminal justice system so that uh, disposal is faster yeah i i agree with uh, i was also thinking of that in all, although the the, ex, the expedition is only mostly with the uh in connection with petty offenses the the non cognizable offenses and there are some provisions that even say that if you if you can't get the trial done within 6 months in petty offenses then then that person will not be tried so such things are there which which are which are welcome but this has not been uh sort of linked to the to the more serious offenses i think they in fact have been made more draconian and the definition of terrorist act and the loose definition the very problematic definition is my one of my big problems with with the, with the new ipc right okay great with this i would like to conclude our discussion our topic for today was is there a need to replace the indian penal code the code of criminal procedure and the indian evidence act thank you mr prakash singh and ms sharuk alam for joining us at the hindus parley thank you very much